Lord Jesus, we just come before you today and we thank you so much that, God, you're our Messiah and that you came down to earth to just make a way for us to be with you someday. Help us to trust in you each and every day, Lord, that our hope will be in you, not in ourselves, not in our jobs, not in the things that we desire, Lord Jesus, but just help us to fall on our knees and just simply trust you and just leave it at that. God, just work in our lives and our hearts. Help us to grow each and every day closer to you. Help us to understand the things that you want us to learn and to grow in each and every day. God, we thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. <coughs> wow, amazing right there, <laughs> that song. Uh, my name is Tim Yates. I'm just here to give kind of like a life update. Um, my wife and I, Michelle, uh, we joined Mossbrook Community Church in 2003, and I remember the first service that Michelle and I attended was actually in Ben and Catherine's basement, and there were about 40 people at that time. So as you can see now, we've grown, and God has just worked in our church through people in different places, and we just wanted to honor God for that. I'd like to take a poll today, and I want everybody to be honest. It's going to require a little bit of your participation. How many people here today are sitting in the same exact seat that you sat in last week or within a couple seats? Raise your hands because I kind of know where you sit. Because I watch, because I've been kind of waiting to use this illustration for a while. All right. It's so funny. My six-year-old came in today, and I knew I had to get up here and speak. So he was with me, and I kind of wanted to sit where Julie and Crystal were sitting. And I'm like, come on, buddy. Let's sit right here. And he goes, a little B-Ride right up around. And he's like, no, I want to sit here. Like, that's his seat, right? That's our area. And most of us prefer that. Why? Because it's comfortable, right? It's, it's, we prefer familiarity, routine, and over the things that we can't control. We like to be comfortable. It's in our comfort zone. And it's just we're constantly trying to streamline our lives and fit our lives into this tidy little box that we think is what God wants and just to make things smooth. And I remember the days of actually after turning the knob on the TV, but now we have remotes. We don't have to get up. We can just stand there. We had to get up to go to a computer. Now we pull our phones out of our pockets. Everything is becoming streamlined so that we're more comfortable. But I do have a question. What happens when life isn't so smooth? What happens when the bumps in the road come along and kind of disrupt our lives that we fit into this little box? And there's a lot of times that those things happen in our lives and we really don't understand why those things are happening. Like, God, did I do something wrong? Is something not right in my life? What's really going on, God? Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Did that ever happen to anybody? There's things in our lives that happen all the time that we just we can't figure out. I'm going to read the next portion of what I have to say because I don't want to get the timeline off or anything. It's just easier for me to read it. And then I'll talk after that. In 2003, I started working for my dad's electrical business and started um, in settling into a simple routine of life. Business was good and life was pretty easy. Children were born, work was getting done, bills were getting paid, and life sailed on relatively smoothly for the next 12 years. It definitely had some ups and downs, but overall, time went by fairly easily. Around 2015, my dad told me he was thinking of semi-retiring and moving on to become the full-time fire chief in Norway. And that was okay. I had already hired a great worker, and so I encouraged him to go ahead with his plan. Dad moved on, and, quickly and I quickly sank my life into the business and put all the time and effort I could humanly muster into making it succeed. Business was booming, and I was in my comfort zone, and I had hired even another electrician to help me with the workload. I felt like I had invested so much time and energy into the business and thought for sure that this must be what God wanted me to do for the rest of my life. Around a year later, something changed inside me and I couldn't quite place my finger on it. I should be happy, but I wasn't. I started to think that maybe I wouldn't be in this job forever. 
but I started taking some electrical, cla electrical classes just in case this is where I got stuck. By now it was 2017 and my electrical classes started and I further invested myself into making the business succeed. At first the classes were manageable, but now I was not only putting all my energy into my business, but trying to manage school and something of a home life at the same time. It wasn't long before a huge wave of discontentment swept over me. I thought, this is crazy. I, ju I just had the very best year of that my business had ever had, but I was completely 100% miserable inside. I didn't know if it was the stress of the business or going back to school after 20 years, or what the problem really was. I remember many days while studying, laying my head down on the desk, just thinking to myself over and over, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? What's going on with me? I tried to push those feelings back with thoughts like, you can't give this up now. You need to suck it up and just do what you need to do. You may not like it anymore, but you're sticking with it because it's all, all the perks that come with it. The vacation time, the good money, everything else that goes with that. This only caused me more stress and anxiety. Undeservingly, my family at home was taking the brunt of my inner turmoil. I wasn't the father that my kids needed, and I definitely was not the husband that my wife needed. It was then something clicked inside me that maybe this was more than stress and more than something within myself. I knew God was up to something because I started waking up in the middle light of the night and not being able to go back to sleep, and this was strange for me. Many nights I was wrestling with God about the whole issue. I started debating God and trying to justify all the reasons that I should stay in my business. Thoughts came to mind like, how could you want me to get out of this now? God, you just allowed me to take the business over. How will I take care of my family? How is this all going to work out? What else is there for me that I can do? I finally gave in and began to pray and ask God what he really wanted me to do, to continue to go to school or even run the business anymore. Around September, I started praying for God to show me clearly what he wanted me to do. I prayed for him for, to give me a clear sign because I'm not exactly the best example for somebody of somebody who always knows what God really wants. So I started to pray God for a clear sign. God, if you really want me to move on, then have both my employees get done. That was the only thing I could think of. In October of 2017, both my employees got done within a week and a half of each other. I spent the first couple of weeks kind of trying to figure life out, and now I'm thinking, well, what now do I do? I was definitely out of my comfort zone then, and I knew God had a hand in this because I had zero desire to hire anybody full-time to keep going with the business. I knew that he was working in me, but I just didn't know what was, how it was going to end up. The next few weeks were spent finishing up work I had scheduled. Somewhere along the lines, PT asked me if I want to be part of a radical mentorship program through the church. After the first week of the mentorship program, God really showed me that the reason why, why you're going through all this is because I love you and I want you to grow. My plan is better. The tidy little box that you stuffed your life into isn't where I want you. I have a purpose for you that you can't even imagine, but you're not ready for it yet. You're not close to me, and I want you to be. I need to work on some things inside before you can take, I can take you to the next level in your walk as a Christ follower. The routine you're in, just drifting along in life and doing your own thing, is not where I want you. You're like a seed that needs to be planted and take, taken out of a package and planted and put where you're supposed to be. You need to be watered and grow into what I created you to be. So that's kind of the story. And God moved me into a job that it was kind of some neat things happened that made that happen. I was planning to become a 911 dispatcher and everything looked good. I had taken a three-hour exam, passed that, no problem. Passed my background check, no problem. And I only needed to take my polygraph test. Well, they kind of took a little bit of time getting that set up. And in the meantime, I happened to run into my... Would, who would become my boss at Bessie Motors. He's like, what are you going to do now? I'm like, I don't know. I think I'm going to become a dispatcher. And he's like, well, if you ever think about, you know, wanting to come to work for me, come talk to me. 
And so I went and talked to him, and I really just, I'm like, I don't think, I don't know. I just never thought that I would go to work for this person. And so I was like, God, if you want me to be there, then just, you know, kind of show me what you want. And when I sat down and talked to him, it was just like God just came over me and said, this is where I want you to be. And uh, it was not coincidence, it's just a God thing. Like the very next day after I had committed to going to work for this uh, new company, that's when the 911 dispatch center emailed me and said, hey, we want you to take your polygraph test. It's like within a day. It's like that's such a God thing to me. And it just showed me that um, God is reaching down. He's looking. He has a better plan for our hearts and our lives. And uh, sometimes we just, we don't, the real problem is that I don't trust God with my life. And I know I'm not the only one. You know, God created the universe. He keeps it all together. He shows us day in, day out that he can take care of things. But when it comes to my life, I'm just like, oh, sometimes I think I should help you out. <laughs> and that's never the case, you know. And so I don't know what it is in your life that God is asking you to do. I know that, that I'm not the only person in the room that may be struggling with this. But if God's showing you, telling you, or asking you to do something, be open to that. Be willing to surrender, the, surrender to whatever it is he wants you to do. Just be willing to let him take you further than you ever thought you could. Because our plans on earth and life, like, we don't even have a clue what God wants to do with us sometimes. And it's so much better than we could ever imagine. I just want to finish with a little story of my dog. Uh, her name's Bella. And no, she's not the brightest dog in the pack, but she's sweet. Um, every night we put Bella in her kennel and we closed the door because we were afraid she was going to chew on things. And so we've had her about a year or so now and maybe a little more. But we started leaving the kennel door open. And um, so we'd leave her in there. And then I noticed something at, in the mornings. The door would be open and she'd be sleeping in there and she'd be whining to come out of the kennel. And the door was wide open. She was just laying there, whining to come out, waiting for somebody to come get her. But the thing was, is the door was wide open. She, all she had to do was step through that door it, to her freedom. She didn't need to us to call her out of there. She could come out anytime she wanted. And whatever it is in your life that God's asking you to do to surrender, that door is wide open for you if you'll just take that step. And I just pray that whatever it is that that God is showing you to do, that you'll just take that step to do it because God wants you to grow. He wants you to be closer to him. And whatever that may be, it's going to be far, far greater than you could ever plan for your life. So thank you so much. I'm sorry I went over PT, but I just, just pray that you guys will listen to God wherever he has for you. Thank you, Tim. What I would ask you to do in the next few minutes as we read scripture together and we begin to unpack what God has to say from this passage in John is I'd ask you to remember what Tim has said because what Tim just shared with you mirrors the passage of scripture we're about to read. And what I wanted you to see this morning, and Tim, it's fine. Tim thought he had 35 minutes. I said three to five and he come up to me before and he said, you said 35, right? So I, I'm doing well, actually. But what I want you to think about and why I wanted Tim to share this this morning is because I want you to understand that this is a person's life. This isn't just a thought from Scripture. This walks out in our life all the time. And I want you to understand that there are people who are just like you in this room 
who have just walked through the same things that your wife. Oh, the circumstances may look a little different, but we're all walking through the same thing. And we're all struggling with the same things internally. The names may be different, the places may be different, but the struggles are exactly the same because we're all human. And every one of us end up in the same place all the time. So as I read this passage, place yourself like Tim. Place yourself into the middle of that life situation that you're in and then start to unpack that and figure out what it is that God is saying to you. If you have your Bible, John chapter 12, we've been working in the book of John for quite a while now. In John chapter 12, we're going to look really, Jesus is going to talk to his guys, his disciples here in the next few moments about what's to come. And next week we're going to celebrate Easter, the fact that Jesus went to the cross and he died, but that he rose again to pay the price for our sin. And he's, getting, he's going to explain this in another way to these guys in the next couple of verses, about six verses. And he's done this from all kinds of different angles, but once again, he's going to explain to them what's about to happen. And so I want to read these to you, and then I'll back up and spend a few moments unpacking them for you. John chapter 12, starting at verse 20, it says this. Now some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival, and they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and requested of him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. And Philip went and told Andrew, and Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus replied to them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. The one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Go back to verse 20 because verses 20 through 22 give us a picture of a common occurrence. And verses 20 to 22 tell us this, that there was a group of Gentiles, the Greeks, that had come up to, to, to fellowship, to be part of the festival, to worship. And in the Jewish scenario, there was a place for those people to come and be part. They were accepted into the fellowship. They were accepted in to worshiping God. And, and there was a spot made for them. And it seems like these folks who showed up were familiar with who Jesus was. This wasn't just kind of like, hey, there's a cool thing happening, let's go find out about it. It was, they were there to be part of the festival, and they come and they see one of Jesus' followers, and they know who he is, one of the disciples. And they come to Philip, and they say to Philip, hey, Philip, we want an audience with Jesus. And I'm sure this happened to the disciples always, I mean often, because Jesus was doing incredible things. And I'm sure there was people constantly coming to the disciples because they knew they were with, he would, they were with Jesus all the time. And I'm sure they came and said, hey guys, if, if there's any way we could spend some time with Jesus, that would be really cool. And that's what happened. And Philip does, it's really interesting because their personalities come out here. And I, I want you to get this because our personalities come into play when we're with Jesus. Philip goes to Andrew. Do you know what Andrew was always doing? Andrew was always bringing people to Jesus. That was his nature. That's his M.O. 
If you look through the Gospels, you'll find that Andrew is one of the guys who's constantly grabbing somebody and saying, here, come here, come with me, I've got to introduce you to Jesus. That's what he did. And so Philip, who's with Jesus, goes to Andrew and he says, Andrew, these guys want to talk to Jesus. If Philip doesn't go by himself, they go together and they go to Jesus. And they say, hey, there's a group of people who want to talk to you. Now, I find it very interesting in this passage. It doesn't say that they set up a coffee date and they sat down and they had coffee together. It doesn't say that. It doesn't even say that Jesus says, where are they? I want to talk to them. Jesus just immediately jumps into the middle of a conversation with these guys. Now, I don't know if they followed Philip and Andrew. It doesn't tell us. It just says that at this point, Jesus knew where he was and what was going on, and he knew what had to happen, and he just jumps right into the middle of a conversation. Grab this with me, if you would. Verse 23. And Jesus replied to them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Say, okay. That's what Jesus said. Why does that matter? Thank you for asking. If you notice to this point in the Gospels, and Mike referred, Pastor Mike referred to this last week, if you notice in the Gospels up to this point, when the guys would ask Jesus to do something, his reply to them often was this, it is not yet time. The hour has not come. They would even ask him to reply to certain things, and Jesus would say, I can't. It's not time yet. It's not time yet. And all of a sudden, Jesus doesn't go to answer these questions. Jesus says, the hour has come. Guys, the time is here. I know that now it is time for me to point everyone to the Father. That's what this is. This is what he's saying. It's time that I glorify my Father in heaven. It's time that I make it very, everybody very aware of the full plan of God. Now, in order for Jesus to say that, he has to know the mission that God the Father has sent him on. And I want to tell you something. This passage of Scripture is telling us this, that Jesus was very aware of what God the Father had asked him to do. Jesus was very aware of the purpose of him being on this earth. And I love it because up to this point, Jesus is saying, look, it's not my father's will yet. It's not the time. This isn't it. This isn't it. And then all of a sudden, Jesus lets his disciples know, look, the time has come. I'm going to fulfill the mission of the father. And here's the thing about it. He knew what that mission was. We do because we can look back and we can read it. And he knew that the mission of the Father for him was that he would go to a cross and he would die on that cross and he would carry the load of my sin on that cross. And that sin that I place, I'm not giving yours yet, mine, my sin, Tim's sin, the sin that I place on Jesus Christ, not all of yours, I'm talking me, my sin separated Jesus Christ from his father now yours did too but I have to understand that it's my sin that did that 
And the mission that God had for Jesus Christ was that he would take Tim Knowles' sin and he would place it on his own body because I couldn't pay the price for my sin and I still can't to this day. And Jesus Christ said, you know what? I know the mission of the Father. I accept the mission of the Father and I will take that sin of his and I will pay the price for that sin because that's what the Father wants for his created son. He didn't shrink from the mission. Oh, he said in the garden, he said, Oh, God, if it would be your will that this cup would pass from me. If I didn't have to pay this price. It's not that he couldn't. It's, oh, that the separation between me and you would not happen. God, the father was about to turn his back on his own son. He had never done that. A perfect relationship had never been broken. And he knew what was coming. And instead of saying, God, give me a way out, he ends it by saying, not my will, but yours be done. But yours be done. God knew, Jesus Christ knew the mission. He knew the plan. He knew the purpose. And instead of running from it, he ran to it. He knew that by going back to Jerusalem, he's signing his... Do you remember we read this a few weeks ago that the disciples said, I'll go with you, but they want to kill you. So let's go die with him. They got part of it. And Jesus knew by, by, by going back there, his life was over. And yet, he went. The Son of Man being glorified, that's the cross. And it points all men back to His Father, the one who created us. He knew He was walking toward separation, and yet He was willing to do it for me. Oh, for you too, but I'm claiming it this morning. It was for me. Do you know God's plan for you? You know, he's made it just as clear to you and me as he did to Jesus. He did, right in this passage. Let me show you. It's right in the passage we just read. Let me read verses 24 and 25 to you. They say this. Truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. The one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. God's plan for you is the same plan that he had for Jesus Christ. And that plan is that we would yield our life to him, that we would die to ourselves, and we would give our life to him, the one who paid the price. That's what Tim was talking about. It's running into the fact that this isn't my life. This is God's. He created it. He did it for his own glory. And I need to yield it to him so that he can be glorified. Unless a grain of wheat goes into the soil and dies, it can't produce fruit. Now, I want to help you understand that this morning. And so I, I brought with me a few props. Because I think that you need to understand what this really looks like. And I have a little packet of seeds here with me this morning. And because I know some people who do a lot with plants, 
I brought with me a few other little things, and I want to show you something this morning that is amazing. Now, I wish that I were God, and I could do this incredibly quick, but I can't. So you're going to have to bear with me and use your imagination, okay? In order for a seed to grow, you have to have soil. So I brought the good stuff, and it's got, you know, some fertilizer in it. I'm going I'm to put it in this pot, okay? I just filled it, see? It's got soil. I'm not making anything. It's got soil, all right? I'm going to set it right here. So in order for this seed to do what God is talking about in this passage, and I get my little packet of seeds back out here, okay? And I'm going to pour a seed into my hand here, and I'm going to show some people, because I don't want you to think that, that I'm, I'm pretending. Now, these are tiny, and I did that on purpose, but Gavin, do I have? You do, yeah. Okay, yeah, I have seeds. You Glenn, you're, you are, you're a flower dude. Okay, <laughs> not a flower child, a flower dude, okay? So I have seeds. These are tiny seeds. All right? And, and it's like us, because really, I mean, we think we're pretty big. I'm going to put a couple back, so I don't want to waste them. All right? So I've got one seed in my hand, all right? And we think we're pretty amazing. This seed is tiny, all right? And we think we're pretty amazing in the world. We think we're pretty big. And in reality, we're tiny. So what I want to do is I want to take this seed, and I want to put it in this soil, because, right, the Scripture said what? Unless the seed does what? Dies. Well, it has to die, and it has to have a place, right, for the process that God put in this seed to happen to happen. And the place is soil, right? So I'm going to take this little seed, and I want to put it in the soil, and I'm going to make it do what God said, okay? No, I don't want to. What? Did you know seeds talk? This seed just talked. Did you hear that? I'm going to put this seed... In that soil, you ready? Here we go. No, I don't want to. All right, fine. You want to be that way? I won't put you in. Thank you. Okay. What would you like? Heat. Okay, heat. I'll give you some heat. There we go. I'm not putting that seed in the soil. Put him right there. He's there somewhere. He fell. All right, fine. He doesn't want to go. I'll get another one. All right, here we go. Got a new seed. We're going back to the soil. We're going to put them in the soil. Here we go. Ready? I don't want to. Look, if you go in here and I add the right pieces to this, you will die. I know it's painful, but you will die. But God says that out of you will come something that is amazing. It's fruitful. It has life. It can give life to other people. I still don't like it, but I'll do it. Okay, he doesn't like it, but he's going for it. Okay, so we're going to take this, we're going to plant. We can't go too deep. We don't want to, so there we go. We put him in. So he's in the soil. Now, let me tell you something about this. He went in the soil. It's cold right now, that soil. I don't like the cold. It's dark right now. And when he's in that soil, I'm going to add some water, and now it's going to get damp in that soil. And something's going to start happening to him in that soil. And in the middle of that soil, as that gets heated up, now that's an LED bulb. I know somebody's sitting here thinking that it doesn't have heat. I get it, but just bear with me. If that were the sun and it was heating up that seed, 
Now both seeds are being heated. The seed that I set right here is being heated at the same time. And this seed that's in the water and the soil and, and, and is in where the nutrients are is also being heated. And in the middle of that cold, dark, damp place that's starting to warm up, that seed, something's happening. Something's begin to break and die in that seed. In the middle of that seed breaking and dying, guess what God says happens? New life begins to spring out. New life begins to spring out. Now here's the thing about the seed, folks. The seed that said no doesn't get to go to the place that it needs to go for new life to happen. That seed can sit under that light for as long as it wants and nothing will happen to it. It will just sit there. It will produce nothing. Only the seed... that goes into the dark soil and dies gets to produce anything. And Jesus says it this way, those of us who try to save our life, the seed who's here, I don't want to go. I don't want to do it. Those of us who try to save our life for ourselves, and we've got our hands wrapped all around it, and God, you're not getting it from me. Oh, I trust you, but you're not getting this from me. No way. God says, I can't use you. You'll be dry and empty your entire life. And we fight it. Oh, God, I don't trust, right, Tim? I don't trust you. I don't trust that if I go in this dark, damp place that you're going to do anything with me. God, I'll save myself. And we run and we run to save ourselves. Now, folks, Scripture tells us this, that when that plant goes in there and it dies to itself, and God does whatever work he's doing to germinate that seed and to bring new life to that seed, all of a sudden... And I wish I could do this in a time lapse for you, but all of a sudden, a little plant appears. And that dark, painful place that we went, God did a work that we couldn't do. And God produced something that we can't produce in ourselves, only He can produce it. And out of that, up through the soil, comes this little plant that is in the light of God and it's growing and being nurtured as God wants it to be nurtured. And out of that plant comes another plant. That plant continues to grow and as it grows, if you can look closely at this plant, you'll see that this plant has little blossoms on it. And those little blossoms are the fruit that's produced by a plant who yielded itself to God and allowed God to produce in it what He wanted to produce. And that fruit that comes from that little seed makes my wife really happy. It's called a tomato. And when you plant a tomato plant and you give it all that it needs, guess what? It doesn't provide one tomato. It provides, if they're sweet 100s, people, it provides hundreds of sweet little tomatoes. And here's the point, guys. When we, as a seed, yield ourselves to God. We say, yes, God, put me down. Your will, your plan, not mine. Put me in the soil. Water me. 
the light of God's word on me and cause me to grow. Only then can God make me into a plant who actually will produce what God had in mind, fruit. The verse tells us this, that when we die, it produces much fruit. And the one who loves his life will lose it. And the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. This is so counterintuitive. The nature, the culture, the place that we live tells us the harder you work for yourself, the more you'll succeed. The harder, the more you do for yourself, the better off you'll be. The harder, the more you do for yourself and your family, then the more fruit you'll produce. And it's exactly the opposite of what God says. God says, no, die for me. Die to yourself. Give yourself a wholeheartedly to me, and I will make you more than you could ever dream of being. Galatians chapter 2.20 says it this way, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm crucified with Christ. I have died to self. And in dying to myself, Christ now lives in me and produces in me the fruit that I cannot produce. Where are you? Maybe you're sitting here and you're this little seed who hasn't even come to know Jesus Christ yet. You haven't given your heart and your soul to Christ. You haven't come to a place where you realize that Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin. And you don't have to try to figure that out on your own because God already did it for you. And maybe you're at a place this morning where you need to yield your heart and your soul to Jesus Christ and say yes to him because he paid the price for your sin. And you need to come before God and say, God, I know I can't do this. I can't work it out on myself because your son, Jesus Christ, already did it for me. I accept the gift of life that you've given to me. Maybe you need to do that this morning. Don't stop. If God's tugging at your heart, you do that. You don't need anybody to help. You just say yes to God. You say yes to the forgiveness that comes from the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for you. Say yes. Maybe you're sitting here this morning. And you're a seed who's given your heart to Jesus Christ, but yet you're a Christ follower who says, God, don't kill me. Don't put me in there. I don't want to do that. And you've been saying no to God for so long that you've forgotten what it's like to be used by God. Would you yield? Would you allow him to do whatever it takes to make your heart what it ought to be for him? Now here's the scary thing about this process, folks. Just because the seed goes in here and dies doesn't mean it becomes fruitful. Do you catch this? Just because the seed goes in here and dies doesn't mean it becomes fruitful. I grew up farming, and I know something about seeds. I know that there are times when the seed goes in here and it rots. I can still say no to God. He gives me that freedom. I know that there are times when that plant will spring forth, that seed will grow and it will spring forth a wonderful little plant and all of a sudden things will happen and that plant will shrivel up and die. 
Folks, you can be a Christ follower here, and you can be this immature plant who sits immature because you keep saying, no, God, don't do that to me. Don't change me. Don't, I'm not doing it. I'm not going there. God, I won't say that. I won't. And that becomes you, and you never become fruitful. Being fruitful with God is yielding to God over a lifelong process of the Spirit of God speaking into my heart and me saying yes to Him. And then I'll produce fruit. And I love it because you'll produce much fruit. Verse 26 says it this way. He says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. He must say yes to me. And where I am, there my servant also will be. And if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. The one who continually says yes, the Father will honor He'll bless. He'll keep producing fruit. He'll keep putting little blossoms on that produce that wonderful sweet 100 that people can eat and be blessed by. What seed are you? Where are you? What's going on inside of you? What will it take for you to allow the Father to continue to grow you? I can't answer those questions for you. Only you can do it. But can I encourage you this morning? Would you allow the Spirit of God to grow you into the plant that produces much fruit? God, would you help us to say yes to you? In your name. So guys, here's the fear. What if I say yes to Jesus? And I allow myself to be the seed who goes in the ground. What if he forgets me? Just being honest, that's what goes through our mind. Can I really trust that God will do what he said he will do? That's what Tim said, right? Can I trust him? Let me tell you something about God. He has never yet broken his promise there's no time in all of history that God has not kept his word my challenge to you is see for yourself don't take my word for it See for yourself. What have you got to lose? If you stay that seed who's in that light, who's kept warm by the light, you still produce absolutely nothing. It's absolutely no different than if you were to go into the soil and die and nothing happened. But at least being in the soil, you have a chance for God to do something miraculous in you. And I can guarantee, because I know God myself, He'll do it in you because that's who he is. Will you let him? God, grant us the courage to say yes. Give us the willingness of heart to allow you to create in us something that we can't create in ourselves. Help us to yield and say yes. In your name we pray.